Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Listener discretion is advised. When Nas was in the crack house, I was like, Crack house is the studio, guys. Yeah. And this is when we was high. Yeah. I'm high as fuck. Actually, see it out. Out. Right? Yes. XC seed out, and I'm sitting there. Guy used to be like this. I'm like, he got them dicks. Let me get one. <laughs> grinding, grinding my teeth. <laughs> right? So, I'm telling, I'm telling motherfuckers. You missed out. I'm telling Nas, we gonna, I said, we gonna get three tour buses. We gonna rap you, Ja, Ashanti. Mm. And I said, we gonna hitch some Ro- a Rolls Royce, a Ferrari, a Bentley to the back of the b- tour bus. Mm. This is when he was like, okay, I'm not f- fucking with these. Mm. And I said, Joe, we, we hit Baltimore, right? So we got to show him Baltimore tonight. Before we go to the show, we're going to hit the hood. And I said, we're going to ride through. Because I was like, yo, hood is going to go crazy. Imagine. Me, Nas, Ja, fucking Ashanti. And we pulling up in Rolls Royces and eating fried chicken. Mm. In the hood. Uh. That's a well, moment. everywhere in Baltimore is the hood. Oh, right, but that's a moment. Yeah, you can just walk outside your hotel. Anyone who, who gets a glimpse of that is never, is never forgetting that. Right, it's true. It's changed almost. So Nas was like, yo... I hear you, but... Damn, you sound just like him right now. <laughs> he was like, no. He was like, I hear you, but... What if we get killed? Being in the hood like that. Uh, this is when I lost. Uh, I said, if we get killed? I said, then we martyrs. That was Irv Gotti talking about the time that he approached Nas with this brilliant idea to uh, hitch on the back of a truck uh, a whole, uh, cal- you know, a cavalry with the Ferrari and the Rolls Royce, and we ride through Baltimore eating fried chicken. It will change everything. I can't believe he didn't want to do this. And Nas is like, mm, no, nah, I'm good. Matter of fact, what if we get killed? Well, then we'll be martyrs. Then we'll be martyrs. Yeah. Like, yeah. what kind of conversation this is? Doc Calloway is here. This is like ridiculousness. Yeah. That is insane to me. I mean, these are young men. When I'm their age, I'm trying to fight for partnership at a law firm. I mean, that <laughs> that is mind-blowing to me that these young brothers were young, rich, wild, and free. I mean, legitimately, like, living a movie. Um, wow. I, I'm always still kind of mind-blown by the notion that there are those of us who succeeded in this white supremacist, patriarchal American capitalist game without fully submitting their time and talents to the path that I was told to go. I was told to go high school, college, something after, good ass job, right? And every time I, I marvel when I think about 50 years of hip hop because hip hop has created people and enterprises and corporations and tremendous amounts of value. Hip hop has sustained families for people who did not have to do it that traditional way. I got it out the mud. I'm making beats. I'm managing these artists. And you being from up north, you you being a true Yankee, right? 
you had so much more insight to that because these are your peers, right? I have mm. to imagine that Karen Hunter's peers, you look left and you look right. There's D Nice, there's Heavy D. Actually, these are no, the brothers they're not my peers. No, yeah, and, and while Queen Latifah, Whitney Houston from you know Queens, La 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 from Halstead, Whitney Dottown, they weren't my peers because I I could never hang out because there was a different edict on my block. Do you know what I'm saying? So I. You know, I, I just did a, a I did an amazing town hall with Kevin Powell, one of the first writers at Vibe, uh, multiple covers, and Kierna, the great Kierna Mayo, uh, one of the co-founders of Honey Mag. And, you know, we've had Dream Hampton on, who's also been through, who, she was in the trenches. We were actually at some point warring, uh, you know, politically speaking, because she was team Puff Daddy during the time when it was like, mm -mm, no, no. Uh, yeah, and I've yeah. always kind of been a journalist even as a child, you know, watching on the outside and, you know, reporting on what was going on, never was inside. I was never inside any of this, but, but it was, it was also a little distasteful. Like that culture did not, and it's in part of our culture, hip hop, but that never, I, I'm like, it seemed weird to me. The, the whole video ho thing and all of the, 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 the lyrics, you know, Missy was intriguing, TLC, you know, the, Queen Latifah, of course, who are you calling a bitch? That was intriguing. But even that, like, I, you know, her hanging out at the Latin quarters and all, like, I could never do that. I could never hang out at a club at, at even 17, 18, what? I could, even at college, I didn't even feel comfortable doing it. I wasn't even drinking Don Calloway. So it was never, that was never my thing. To get high, be on ecstasy? Like, I'm listening to this. I'm like, what? Well, I think that's kind of the interesting piece is that hip hop is such a thing now that multiple humans exist and are sustained by and hold up and advance this culture such that this era, right, this mid 90s, I don't know what years we want to call it, but 92 to 2000, this golden era in which commercial, the global commercial interests found out about this thing and made all these black kids rich, right? Um I think that era had was defined by the decadence, right, um, and and the overindulgence. And this the is consumer. why I played it. This I'm sorry. This is why I played it. Yeah, and because... that's, that's exactly what they're speaking to in that clip. But I will say, it was a whole culture. So there were all. But it wasn't it was our culture. It wasn't. But it the wasn't... artists were there. But the artists were there, and the 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 the. the the Michelle and Deggio cellos were there and the, you know, maybe not hip hop. I'm trying to think. She is hip hop. The, I think she's hip, hip hop. You know, hip -hop we can go is, you know, right? dig, dig, diggable underground and, and the, yeah. all of that. Right. Um, you know, but what I, what I'm going to say to you, Bahamadia was there. <laughs> Shout yeah, out to Bahamadia. Bahamadia. Yeah, I'm watching you watching first ladies or what at ladies first, uh, the documentary. I'm so not, you just, I, you just I come, do this. Picking names I out am there. <laughs> Yeah. I am hip hop. You, you are not hip hop. You are you are lying to the audience, and I'm gonna call BS on you because here's the here's the truth. Here's the truth that all of that that Herb Gotti is talking about, primarily pushed into white neighborhoods in the suburb. That quote unquote culture that most of us did not live, most of us did not live. Seventy percent of that was purchased and consumed and memorized by white boys in the suburbs. So if we sit with that, with if we sit with that reality and that truth. Then we have to ask the question, why was that the image of black people pushed out when that didn't represent 
what black people were actually experiencing. Because even those people in the Marcy Projects and, and Hollis Queens and all of the spaces where there may have been, you know, Fat Cat Supreme, the drug dealers, Tommy Mickens or whatever in Queens. And you can go to, you know, the BMFs in Detroit or you can go into all of this. Even even my man, you know, um, who's the who's the guy? Rick, Rick Freeway, Ricky Ross in L.A. who actually spread crack throughout. But even that mm. wasn't our culture. It was something, again, pushed upon us and then pushed out to the general world, not just, you know, America as black culture, but it's not black culture. So I think we we need to, we need to have that conversation. I think, yes, I think that is an important angle here. And and that is absolutely right. Um, But, you know, at some point it is kind of black culture and it didn't start with them. We didn't always like to shine now. We didn't always like to put it on. You've seen them clips with Little Richard talking because I like to put it on. You've seen them, right? And so shining and stunting and whips yeah. and chains yeah. with hip hop. Yeah, became but putting, putting women on dog chains, putting putting was, women, well, hey, swiping yo, listen, cards up women's asses. Come ma'am, on. No, ma'am. I'm old enough to where I done seen, and they're starting to resurface on Instagram if you get into the right despicable rabbit holes. I done seen... <laughs> How were they talking about women in Scream, Blackula Scream? Because this is what my daddy used to rent. Okay, when right, I was let's, talk, let's talk about that because I'm not old enough to remember that. And uh, yes, so, so you let me. Are. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. was that prevalent though? Don, was that prevalent? Let's 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 talk about it. We got to go to a break. Oh, my Lord, yeah. This All right, eight six six. I'm I'm gonna ask a fundamental question: What is black culture? Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. Let's because uh, I feel like we've adopted the the bastardized version of ourselves, and then we wear that as if that's who we are because it's been pushed out to the world, and then we're like, of yeah. course, we're going to put it on. But does it fit? Does it fit? Is this the clothing that fits us? Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. Or are we really folk that came out of enslavement and figured out how to build build? And I think it, all things can be true. But is the foundation of black culture, achievement, community? Before we went to break, I played a clip from Irv Gotti. He was on the Drink Champs talking about the time that he tried to entice Nas to go on a caravan through the hood of Baltimore with a Rolls Royce, Ferrari, and all kinds of uh, fancy cars in tow, eating fried chicken, and I'm sure blasting Murder, Inc. music. Ashanti was supposed to be on this caravan, and Nas said, nah. We could get killed, but I'm, I'm sure Nas, whose father is an amazing um, poet and Nas who grew up reading books, <laughs> knowing things, which begs the question, you know, how did Herb Gotti get in a position to control so much music? And there was some good music put out by Murder, Inc., R-U-L-E, you know, all of that, Ja Rule and uh, Shanti and before that, uh, Lil Mo. Lil Mo, I think, was the best with the uh, with the hook singing, and uh, I think she didn't get enough credit. Shout out to her. But, you know, you, you, you think about these things as I do, and you look at who's pushing out the music and what is the message and what do we allow. I've talked on these airwaves about, you know, radio stations allowing the N-word freely to fly and, um, and we'll draw the line. You know, at other slurs for other people that will get bleeped out in a minute, like all about the Benjamins or even a Michael Jackson tune. But we get to freely hear the N word. How much of that is self-imposed or imposed on us that we accept 
Don Calloway, how much of that is what we've accepted? Because we do know for a fact that 70% of that rap music was purchased and consumed primarily by white boys in the suburbs. Okay, I, I want to get two quick little bars off about that Drink Champs episode so I can answer the larger question here. Uh, number one, we must remember, uh, lest we look too harshly upon that moment they were having, that they were young, wild, free, rich, and famous, and the oldest person in the room and wisest was 30 years old. They was trying to ball and have a good time. And dare I posit that if you collect that set in Bollywood or in Rich White Hollywood or in Tech Valley, all of them are going to do something extraordinarily stupid on any given night, right? So they were being young and dumb and rich and free. So, I, you know, I, I, you know, I would like to still be young at heart at some point. Anyway, I'll move on. I think the second thing is what Nas said, which is what if we get killed? Because that to me suggests that it always has been and currently is extraordinarily dangerous by a unique demise of gunfire to be a rapper. Like statistically being one who identifies as a rapper is participatory in one of the most dangerous professions in the world out there with like, you know, ice divers and longshoremen. But it's just weird because rappers get killed on a legitimate basis for a variety of reasons. Um, and that is just a crazy stat, but it shows that that's also not new to today. But more important. Uh, to your... uh, but it's also oh. baked in. Isn't it also kind of baked in? We're not talking about people falling off stages yes. or dropping no, no, no. or dying with heart attacks. And other... We're talking no, about no, no, the no. culture. Young brothers getting killed by gunfire. Yes. Right. But being a ra- Okay. And I think that leads me to kind of the answer I have for the larger discussion that I think we both want to have, which is um, you keep asking, is this what black culture and you've been asking me this question over the course of years right Mm -hmm. is this black culture is this really what we are and who we are i think we have to remember that black americans are also americans right uh our our predominant definitive trait is that we are american and how much of yes we are african americans but we are distinctly different in mindset than the rest of our global African brethren and sistren and non-binary siblings because we are infected by the ills of America, which are singular and unique throughout the world. Capitalism, our thirst for gun violence, and our thirst for the original, our thirst to maintain the, the privileges that came from the original sin of American slavery and racism. I mean, and then you build in patriarchy and everything else. So black, in other words, black people are deeply infected with all of the ills that come from these things, right? Uh, excuse me, African-Americans are deeply infected with all of these ills. <laughs> see how so of course you see gets- that in our rappers. Of course you see that in our rappers. Of course you see that in our athletes. Of course you see that in our famous and privileged. Uh, the great Damon Jones, uh, who is uh, I think currently the ethicist for the New York Times, if I'm not mistaken, but he wrote a wonderful memoir called uh, Anything That Doesn't kill you makes you blacker and he basically says black people excuse me straight black men are the white men of black people so we have all those ills we have all the patriarchy we have all the capitalism we have all the self-hate we have all the confusion right um that america has right we just have it with black skin and it's not clear that if this world yeah nah 
I don't agree with it's you. It's not even if this world were flipped and black folks were in charge, it would be any more egalitarian. Now, no, well, I think that, 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 that part I agree with, only because we're infected with anti-blackness that, that has been yeah. drilled into us for 400 years. I feel like if left on our own devices, you know, uh, without the... But I don't know if we can have this conversation without acknowledging that we all are infected with anti-blackness that was baked into this, this sure, the system that we're a part of, which is beyond America, these borders, which is a, a, beyond the Americas, is a, is a uniquely European export, right? This this kind of uh, anti-black uh, imperialism, this anti-black, um, you know, uh, not just the, the uh, system of enslavement, but what came after, you know, the things that gave rise to the Nuremberg laws started here with our Jim Crow laws, which, you know, if you think about, you know, what we export, my my question to us is always what's our responsibility to keep it going, right? And so we you can point to things, but even the things you point to in music that date back, you know, 40, 50 years because you're old enough to remember still are, are baked into this anti-blackness that wasn't necessarily prevalent to our culture, right? E- even those of us who you may have used the N-word 60, you know, 50, 40, 50 years ago, wasn't the same as today with the cavalier way in which it's just thrown about and allowed to just... You know, just pepper everything. If Martin Luther King used it, it was behind closed doors, and he was very clear about his audience and what, what inside, outside. Like, there was a very clear line of demarcation about what our responsibility was to each other and to the sure. larger society and how we comport ourselves. I'm saying something today because I want to talk about how we create myth-making in this country, how how we've allowed, to, you know, the, the preponderance of propaganda to be in our own psyche to them, perpetuate to them, I'm using a lot of peace, perpetuate out to the larger society. So we have, you know, this clip I play, but it doesn't represent us. Cause even as I'm listening, I don't relate to that, but you are going to go into the hood where kids don't have anything with a damn Ferrari and a Rolls Royce and eat fried chicken and blast music. And you think that that is what liberation? Cause you want them to remember that you want them to be up against something that they can only aspire to through which means drug dealing, Rapping, basketball, but like where the Don Call- you know, the Don Calloway caravans coming through with the law degrees to show that beautiful backyard, and this is the path to get there. You know, like there, there needs to be equal and opposite, but there isn't, and we need to address that. You know, I think uh, we got to get the great Ali Sadiq on the show because he has a wonderful again. Sec- Do you know again? Oh, you know, the oh, multiple oh, times that he's been on. My, my yeah, dear, don't, my don't, apologies. Come on. He's co-hosted the show. What are we talking about? Last time he put a special out on YouTube, he was on the show. What are are we doing, Don? Let me me rephrase. Can you please, please? He'll be on this Friday when I'm not here. Okay, that's how much Ali Sadiq is part of this family. He'll be on. I won't be here. He will be here. I I, I am so honored to be connected to Ali Sadiq through you. I did not know. Please forgive me. Um, The great Ali Sadiq uh, just has this amazing riff on the 85 South show, which is I want to be on before I turn 50, which is um, he talks about it's average. We look to celebrities to guide us, to lead us, to show us the way. When there's average brothers on the and sisters on the block who've been showing you the way, who've been showing you how to eat healthy, who've been showing you how to treat people with kindness and love and respect. Um, but we have been affixed with celebrity. Uh, largely because that's where wealth is. And, you know, again, I think that it is uniquely American to have this incredible combination of tolerance for violence plus adherence to 
the dollar over all other principles, right? At the expense of any type of ethics. And thus, I, of course, young black folks are as decadent as Michael Milliken and all the people who, who destroyed 401ks to sell junk bonds, right? They've certainly done much more Ex broad, tangible, mm. palpable societal damage than Irving Lorenzo Gotti Right. Irving Lorenzo, who, by the way, why are you naming yourself after an Italian uh, gangster? Mob, it, this is my point. Yeah. Murder Inc., yeah. Death Row, except we don't get to uh, we don't get to do the Michael Milken or the murder Madoff. We don't get to do the Enrons, right? We don't get to do those we things. We treat people the way we've seen powerful people treat people. That's right. And that's I think right. that's because we're American. Now, I think Afrobeats is having a moment, but all of us mess this thing up if we think it's just about listening to Burner Boy and getting these cool little beats for when you got your shorty over. No, this is about trying to get back to our African roots of community, yes. of, of, of Kujijagalia, of Nia, the real principles that you memorize only the week after Christmas. But if we lived those principles, right, then we really wouldn't be as savage a people, as non-caring a people as we tend to be. And I think that's when you've got to shed the Americanness that's in us because America can be a deadly, ugly place at times. And uh, of course, everyday Kwan's on the Karen Hunter show. And I think Larry Daniel favors as well. So we, we practice those every single day. Um, even the days we're not here, but I'm, I brought this up because I believe that we have allowed for the infection to get us like, this is not germane to us, which is why I asked what is black culture? What is black culture? So let's go to the phones. The number here is 866-801-8255. I don't think this is black culture. I don't think Irv Gotti and, you know, the, the kinds of rap music that was put out by those platforms, some of it uh, represents black culture. I think it, it, it represents a, a white lens of what they think or hope black culture to be, period. Uh, D in Florida, that's what I think. What do you think, D? Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. You're on. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Ms. Hunter, I definitely agree with you a thousand percent. I don't think that's our culture at all. I don't think that's what the founders of hip-hop intended for the culture to be, for it to look like 50 years later. You know, I come from Cedric Houses with Coke Rock, Funky 4 Plus, One More, Keith Keith, uh, Africa Bambada. Yes. Where, um, you know, who her come from. You know, my, my mother went to that first party <laughs> with, um, with Loretta, with his sister. They went to 82 together, but... I don't think that was the culture. They were looking for something that brought unity, something that was a, a, throw, a throughway, a bridge, a highway, if you will, an intersection between different types of music, different cultures. Um, but as far as what black is, I think that black is beautiful. Black is excellence. Black is original and foundational. Black is the color that everything comes from, but no color, but it comes from no color. Black is power. You know, I, I, you know, I agree with you. Universal. I agree with you 100 percent. Somebody in the Nubia chat had a very poignant question. Ke Kendra or Kedra said is Don high. Kendra. Yep. No, Th no. no listen, I want to be Kendra very clear. <laughs> Kendra wanted to know is Don high no, today? Listen, I don't. Kendra, I want to be extremely clear here that I I appreciate being challenged on this and I don't think we're in different places. My concern is making sure that African-Americans root ourselves in our African values more so than we do the American values of, frankly, uh, secular religion, 
worship of totems, worship of things and status and wealth, right? That's a very American value. And right now, I think that's predominant among African-Americans, unfortunately. And, and you have to be intentional about finding those special black yoga com communities or those Nubias <laughs> online, right? Or the Karen Hunters. You have to be intentional to put yourself in community with like-minded black people. Because if you just out here every day as a black person in the world, you get infected. You get infected. And we have to find places where we are adhering to our African roots, even as African-Americans. That's what I'm saying. I want to be clear. I'm not okay. high. But All I right. deeply appreciate being challenged on this. All right. Well, I mean, it, and it's not to be challenged, just to be conscious. You know, I think we just do things without thought. And it's it's natural uh, to do that because, you know, it's work sometimes to ask yourself constantly how – how have I been indoctrinated? Why do I believe the things that I believe? Why do I, you know, practice the religions that I practice or the, or the, the things that I do? You know, a lot of it's just tradition. But even in the tradition, we got to ask, how did it get here? How did this become our tradition? And with hip hop, we have we are all old enough to have been able to trace it back to see where where it left the origin, which was, you know, kind of this real power movement that came up from a community that was marginalized. Right to then become a commercial exploit pushed out in a very specific kind of way back to our children to digest or not digest in the era of, you know, on the heels of the crack epidemic, et cetera. Well, it's really insidious. That's, that's what I'm actually saying. Like the Irv Gotti's and the Suge Knights and all of those folk that rose up in this space, it was really insidious that they were able to rise up. I'm saying in a, in a normal world, that wouldn't have happened. Yes, but this happen. is what, commercializing things is what America does. We've commercialized the pride movement every June. We, we, commercial, we are in the infancy of the commercialization of Juneteenth. What will that look like 50 years from now? Uh, we have deeply commercialized Latino culture. Uh, and so anywhere where there is a paying consumer to be found, hip hop is no different. We, find, we will find a way to commercialize that culture. I do think that in a very unfortunate way, we commercialize the killing of young black men. We commercialize the over, the, the, the hypersexualization of our women. Uh, we could have commercialized that hardcore boom bap, as my man Dalen Harris from Hempstead, Long Island says. We could have commercialized that hip hop sound without uh, for the predominant of the amount of the dollars to have been created from derogatory images of black people. Um, and I think that we can all agree on that. Uh, as having been a major, major sin of what we allowed hip hop to become as a culture. I do see a lot of consciousness now in taking it back, particularly uh, artists and folks buying back their catalog. Um, and, 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 and that's an interesting concept. But we commercialized some really worst aspects of what we uh, allowed ourselves to be looked at as. It, yes, but even that, you ride through Baltimore with cars worth over a million dollars when you could have single-handedly bought a whole block in Baltimore with that same money and installed programs and things. To me, again, uh, we haven't lost our way. We just, uh, I feel like, are victims of a, a society that wants to keep us in a particular place, and we've got to break through. We've got to be intentional. 866-801-8255. Don Calloway is here. Pat in D.C., wants to answer the question and I'm going to, I'm going to make an adjacent uh, move after you Pat into another area. That's the same though. Hi. Hi there. You all are talking about a really important subject. And, and, you know, I, I understand Karen, you say all the time that two things can be true, right? 
Uh, and so I, I understand what the brother is saying because, you know, at the core, of course, we're, we're neither black or white. So that's, you know, that's a political construct. I know people say social, but that's really a political construct. But to say that is to say that there's, there's, there's pathology in every culture, right? Uh, but I think what he's also saying is that the American experience is one conflict with one's own identity, right? Mm. And all immigrants, whether whether we came here, uh, you know, on purpose or whether we were stolen and brought here, uh, we you you know we it's in, once we get to America, there's a conflict with your identity. Ours is even overlaid with this political structure, right, of whiteness. And so that's even more, but we act out in very destructive ways that are contrary uh, to who we are, especially as black people, because we know what that means as the American experience. But let me just say this as well. Uh, some of this stuff is, is, is self-imposed, right? I just don't think there are enough of uh, like-minded black people uh, that are pushing back on these uh, ideas of what culture is. And I'll just give you a quick example, because we're talking about these cars. And all that. I live in a community. I used to. I was a DC resident for 30 years. I now live in, in Maryland. I'm a Prince George's uh, County, Maryland uh, resident now. I live in America that's considered in, in Maryland, a part of Maryland that's considered uh, upper class, upper middle class, and um, waterfront community. Beautiful waterfront community, but and but there are in Prince George's by and large. Uh, is 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 more affluent for black people than probably you know a lot of places in America, but these people have good jobs and and I'm not going to say all people, but there is a culture even in that and I'll say where I live in National Harbor. People in, in Prince George's will know where it is, but there's a culture in Maryland specifically, and I don't know if it's all around, but I noticed that just because I just moved here that this, this car worship. Uh, and the idea that you know to uh, to to state that you have arrived uh, is is a really nice expensive car and uh, behavior, um, however uh, crazy it is to 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 get people to notice you. So what happens in, in National Harbor? We got grown ass men, and I'll say it, who come through there, and I'm not talking about kids who come through there in roses and Bentleys and all kinds of stuff. Windows rolled down, music as loud as like we're at an outside concert. Cars zipping and dumb. And this happens it's, it, because it's a very popular place. And it's the place where every peacock, every black male peacock wants to come and show out. So can I say that this is, this is the black culture? I don't think so because it's a lot of black folk that live here don't appreciate that kind of activity. But feel like we're powerless. And I think generally when we have those people in our community that think uh, and, and, and emulate the black rap style or whatever it is, whatever uh, accoutrement that says I'm successful and look at me, you know, uh, we don't have enough of us to push back and say not here. Sister, Sister Pat, I think I thank you. You blessed us. And, uh, and thank you for all of your American identity stuff. I think that's fascinating and you are spot on. But when we talk about the Peacock sessions, I just want to go back to like a very practical element of what I mean. I think I made my point earlier that we are far too American at times and there's all the ugly elements of that. But also like, yes, those young men are black culture and you know who else is black culture? <laughs> you and the seasoned saints who are wanting them to be quiet. 
because black folks have every element that you'll find in any community. And we are, you know, it's gay black folks, it's weird black folks, it's nerdy black folks, it's loud, young, stupid black folks, it's Appalachian black folks. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's very difficult to say what is a black culture because we have all of the things that any other folks have. But I think she's speaking to a pathology, you know, um, the church that I used to attend. She's speaking to a pathology that... She's speaking to a pathology in a in a country in a world that doesn't see black men in particular as valuable, right? Um, even though our most successful sure. black folk are black men, um, even though we'll always talk about black women with degrees, we don't necessarily talk about all of the black millionaire and billionaires that are mostly men. Um, and I can name two black women: Ursula Burns and, and Oprah Winfrey, off the top of my head. But I can probably name about a dozen black men who are billionaires, um, and maybe maybe. Uh, Pat McGrath, but she's from Great Britain. Anyway, I don't want to get distracted. But what she's talking about, as I'm hearing her, and I've seen this with the, you know, Myrtle Beach and the motorcycles, and the, you know, there is a sense of if you're not going to validate me, I'm going to validate myself. And since I've been conditioned to validate myself through things, through commercial, you know, through these, you know, consumer products, and having a Rolls Royce and a Bentley says that I have a certain amount of money because not everyone can get one of these cars to ride through town is a, is a peacock moment in a, in a world that doesn't validate your existence. So, you know, we, we have to even understand that. Why do I need this car? Why do I need this particular thing that people can look at and see me as valid, as valuable, you know? Um, and, and I'm not going to wag my finger because damn it, get what you like. I love cars. Let me just say I'm a car person. I don't get cars for anybody other than myself, but I'm now thinking that I need to tone down because I actually don't want to be seen, (laughs) but I like, I like fast cars. I do. So some of that could be that too. I don't know if it's culture, but, um, a couple of stories I want to get to and thank you, uh, Pat and others. Uh, and then we'll get to the other calls. Uh, judge Glenda Hackett. Did you see this? Um, and I've been following this story through Rashad Rashid, uh, who's on, on the show here, uh, on urban view on Sundays. Uh, but the TV judge, judge Hackett, uh, hatchet, excuse me, uh, was assaulted back in 2022, uh, by a Georgia sheriff. Well, he resigned today and pled guilty to a misdemeanor sexual battery charge. Um, Actually, it was Monday he resigned and pled uh, guilty. Sheriff Chris Cootie, C-O-O-D-Y, Bleckley County Sheriff Chris with a K, Cootie, C-O-O-D-Y, sentenced to 12 months probation, ordered to complete community service. He's also uh, ordered to pay a $500 fine, ordered to complete an alcohol and drug because he's claiming he was drunk and um, on drugs which I'm calling BS on, but you know, uh, alcohol and drug evaluation of this is the case. And all cops who are involved in these kind of activities should be drug tested immediately. Judge Hatchett. We know, um, she was on a famous TV show, uh, both the judge Hatchett show and the verdict with judge Hatchett. Uh, she was at a press conference. We actually have a clip from, from this. Uh, and before we do though, what, what she, um, said happened to her, uh, the sheriff, um, poked her in her chest after the judge said she was not familiar with Bleckley County, they were at in a reception. He said, you know, it's right in the heart of Georgia. And then he grabbed her breast. She said, he grabbed my left breast and squeezed it. And then he started rubbing my breast. This isn't like public. Like, why do you think you could do this? Uh, former De- DeKalb County Sheriff witnessed the incident, Thomas Brown. And he said, I grabbed his arm and threw it off her chest, you know, because what the hell? 
And uh, days following the incident, the Judge Hatchett, who, you know, she said, I consider myself a very strong person. She said she couldn't stop crying. That violation, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you're in public and some man, some d- dirty man put, just putting his hands on your on your on your person and grabbing your breasts and stuff. She said there's a scar that he left. And I really resent that someone could have that kind of power over me. So she was mad that she was like violated. But I just wonder how many things, you know, happen to people and they never have a platform big enough to even file a suit, you know, or to make it public, which she did. Um, and I know Rashad Ritchie was one of the first people to bang this gong. Um, but let's play the clip really quickly. She said she was frozen when this happened. She was absolutely frozen. Um, play it. See, my eyes are still puppy. I cried and cried and cried in court. And thankfully, I've at least gotten that out so that I hopefully won't break down today, and I might. But what I said is that there is a scar that he left. And what I really resent is that someone could have that kind of power over me. That somebody could make me in that moment feel helpless. I have never felt so helpless in my entire life. And I was angry, frankly. I was angry that I didn't slap him. I didn't kick him. But now I understand victims. I was absolutely frozen. And so it would have been easy for me to just, you know, go home and say, okay, well, it's an unfortunate situation. I had to file charges. There had to be accountability. Because the message needs to be clear that you cannot do this. How dare you do this? This has been 20 months. 20 months that they have manipulated the system with delays after delays after delays, in my opinion, so that he could hold on to not only his salary, but his pension. And I'm going to go there. I am going to go there. The governor did nothing. I'm going to go there. The governor, after men and women stood in front of the Capitol last October and demanded that the governor take action. He never suspended him until this today, when he resigned, he has been on salary and will have his full benefits. Mm. So what's the penalty? Uh, so he had to publicly resign and apologize and go through this. But to, to get your pension and your salary after violating somebody's body as a sheriff. Yeah, it's really ridiculous. Bleckley County, by the way, is 120 miles southeast of Atlanta. For those of you who don't know where it is, which I didn't either. Um, and that's no reason to touch somebody's breast. Uh, his name is Chris Cootie and he should be in a registry somewhere, right? He should also have to register as a sex offender. Did he have to register? Sure. And, and, and the governor of Georgia, um, should, should be ashamed. Uh, but you know, we don't show up because you, you think Stacey Abrams is a problem because she's a black woman or whatever your reasoning, you know, you're not going to get the kind of justice that you should get from a governor who is there to protect all of the rights of all of the Georgians. So shout out to um, Dr. Uh, excuse me, judge Glenda Hatchett. And I'm sorry that she had to go through this. Uh, and she obviously is still in pain by it. Cause I don't know what that feels like to be violated and have to relive that, you know, you go home and you're like, I should have punched him in his face. You know, like you, you have to relitigate that every day. You know, it's crazy. Don Calloway is here. Um, you're frozen, but I don't know if you can hear us. Can you hear us? Don. Nope. 
exposing. So we'll go to the phones. 866-801-8255. Let's go to, uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. Pat. Pat, we already had Pat. So Jason in Atlanta. Hi. Hey, Karen. Hi. Um, I, I tune into your show all the time. And every now and then I'm inspired to call. And today was one of those days, particularly talking about our culture. What I was listening to was uh, the guy talking about America and how we're African-Americans and how we buy into this free enterprise and money, money, money. And what I thought about was our ancestors from the late 1800s to the early 1900s and how they built these cities and these enterprise and communities and uh, our culture was around the church and we still had great entertainers and, and 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 since that time from then till now some hundred years or so uh we we got cloning tyrone somehow <laughs> our culture has been pushed into a you know you're a drug dealer you're a rapper you're a prostitute or you're a pimp now i'm old enough to know about the mac and 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 superfly and all of that when they were pushing that, you know. So when you say when this guy says his brother says we buy into this culture, you know we didn't go out and purchase all that crack and bring it to the community. That was part of a process of oppression mm. for us. Yeah. So- yes. And and the criminalization that that followed, but there's a part of us that we need to take responsibility for the acceptance. We accepted it as truth, and then we chewed it up. And, you know, by and large, of course, a lot of folk got caught up in the criminal justice system and in the addiction, you know, the the health crisis that that was also uh, foisted upon us when when crack flooded our community. But if we don't control our neighborhoods, the, the advertising that comes into our neighborhoods, the billboards in our neighborhoods, the businesses that come into our neighborhood, and we can control them by uh, patroning, or not, right? By by willfully not, and all we have to do is willfully not go to one business, and then the other businesses will get the message. But we don't seem to have the the fortitude, or the discipline, or the, the institutional knowledge, or the m- momentum of memory to say, okay, this is what our ancestors did before when somebody brought something horrible into our community, and and then we're going to mobilize and organize instead. You know, a lot of our leaders have been bought and sold. And, you know, I don't even want to get into all of that. I'm just asking each of us individually because institutions, you know, can bring all of this down if we start to focus on building institutions that can do that. But in the meantime, individually, we have a responsibility to the to the community. And PG County, if you don't like the people riding through and you feel like there's a lot of other people who don't like the people running through, not that you can control people's behavior, but why don't you go up to the brothers and have a conversation and love? Does this, is this the best representation of who we are? And what does it say about you? What does it say about us that you have to spend your weekends doing such things? You know, does this, is this good? Is this the image that you want for our children? Like, I think we should start engaging in conversations, like real conversations in love. Not like what I, you know, somebody was like, how do you, you know, uh, p- praise African Bombada, who is a alleged pedophile? Well, I don't know that he is. So drop, an, drop information. But instead of coming at me like that, say, did you know this? So that I can be educated because clearly I'm not going to celebrate a pedophile. So what, so why come no. at me like that? So like, we're going to have to figure out how to come at each other in a way that is both loving and understanding. And I'm talking to myself too, because it's, you know, you, you feel like people should just know these things. 
You know, we should I just no, what, come on through. I think part of what coming to each other with love and understanding looks like is recognizing that there are some of us who happen to be burdened with the, the curse of thinking about the world too deeply, including you, me, and our sister in Prince George's County. And sometimes we should just revert to the principle of Occam's razor. Maybe there's just black car enthusiasts. Maybe there's just black folks who like really nice luxury cars. Should we eliminate fashion show, the Ebony Fashion Fair? That You know what I'm saying? Like, when no, is it okay? No, but the Ebony Fashion Fair was in a, in a place that we could buy a ticket for that we all agreed we're going to come into this space yeah, together okay, and okay. enjoy. It's not like in Shall your we, neighborhood running through it where you have zero control. Dream Cruise in Detroit down Woodward Avenue in Detroit every fall? Shall we, you know, like you said, the, uh, the hogs in Myrtle Beach. There are elements of black culture that are diverse and that in sometimes there are spaces in which they collide and we should probably try to find a way to coexist, right? Oh, that's them loud boys on them pocket bikes. Or I'm going to let Unk ride around in that open air three-wheel spider playing before I let go, uh, you know, for the neighborhood to hear. And I'm going to let them do that because I love all of us. I love our people. And I love being around our people. And being in these sterile-ass white suburbs is anathema to my black soul. And I understand I'm going to have to deal with Mr. Jody, and I'm going to have to deal with Unk, and I'm going to have to deal with the young Thundercats, and Miss Jackson knows all and tells all. But that's part of us existing in community and recognizing that our community has all kinds, and there's none element that's more respectable or more acceptable than the other. Right, but at the that respect part, you know, is like playing your music after 10 o'clock. You know, yeah, you might want to play your music after 10 o'clock, but is it respectful that people got to get up the next day? Kids got to go to school like there's I feel like there's a lack of respect uh, for anyway. That's that's not even why I brought this up. Damn it. Eight, six, six, eight, zero, one, eight, two, five, five. It's Tech Tuesday. And I actually was drawing a through line from this conversation to Elon Musk. Believe it or not, I was trying to get to a, a wholly manufactured and again, this culture that we celebrate that, that looks like rap culture, but is 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 something else, is what we are now experiencing with an Elon Musk, who I believe invented himself and then pushed it out to the world, and then we repeated, right? And and we're complicit, including me, because I'm on I'm on this Twitter thing, even though I refuse to call it X. I'm on I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. So am I participating? In our demise, I think so, and I'm have to reckon with myself as I, I suss through it. I'm I'm think about it. I'm think about it. I got to think about this. Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. So when we come back, there's an article um, by Ronan Farrell, uh, who to me is what journalism should look like. He spent some time studying, interviewing. And then he put out a 30-plus page, I printed out every single page, a 30-plus page dossier on Elon Musk. I'm going to read from it, and then I want to talk about it because it's stunning and chilling and scary that one person who is a complete fabrication on so many levels has so much power. And so this is in the last 10 years. We should look at this as a case study for how it's done. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app. 